study through the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 11 is maybe one of the most famous chapters in the entire Bible. It's the chapter on faith. And this chapter is kind of an amazing chapter. There's a guy that I like to listen to his messages a lot. And he's going through the book of Hebrews right now. And he's on chapter 11. And he just said that he's going to be spending 16 weeks on Hebrews 11. Now that's a bit of overkill. We're going to be only doing 15. But the point is... The reason that you're spending so much time is because if you've never read Hebrews 11 before, there's just all these names. Just name dropping people left and right. You got Abel and Enoch and Abraham, and then you go through different judges, and you got David and Moses, etc. And what he's doing is, as he gets to these names, he's stopping and going to them. And it's a fascinating survey of the Old Testament to really look at what these people have gone through. And that's what's so amazing about this chapter. It's all about faith. And you have to remember, so often when we look at these people in the Bible, we have a tendency to elevate them to what I call the super stature. That's not true. A great example of this is the man Elijah. It says in the book of James that a man, Elijah, was a man just like us. He had a nature just like us. He struggled with things just like we struggled with things. If you look throughout the Old Testament, you look through these different men and women, you see people that had sins like we have sins. They had failings. They had shortcomings. And this is why we can relate to this so much. Now, it's interesting, this word faith, just the word faith alone, not its derivatives, not faithfulness, etc. The word faith is used 229 times in the Bible. Now, it's only used twice in the Old Testament. Now, the word faithfulness is there a lot, or faithful. But here in the book of Hebrews 11 alone, it is used 24 times in one chapter. 24 times. I think God is trying to get a picture across of what he wants us to know. Now, how do you describe the word faith? How do you define that? Look at verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's the biblical definition of faith. Have you ever tried to define faith? Think about that for a second. If someone came up to you and said, what does the word faith mean? Maybe believing in something that you cannot see. That's not necessarily true. Or maybe it's believing in something, trusting something that you don't have all the details for. It's hard to define. That's what's interesting about this biblical definition. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, for people that say they struggle with faith, you really don't struggle with faith. You struggle with the biblical definition of faith because all of you expressed faith when you came in here. From the simplest examples, not a single one of you got on all fours and checked the screws on these chairs to make sure they were solid. You didn't. You have faith that these chairs aren't going to fall apart. I didn't see a single one of you climb up on the roof to check the beams to make sure this is not going to fall down. You all had faith. None of you are going to go out to your car and crawl underneath your car tonight. You're just going to stick your key in and start it. You have faith that it's going to work. So it just blows my mind when someone comes up to me and we start talking about believing in an unknown God, an unseen God. And they, oh, that's hard for me to believe. But you have faith in so many different aspects of everything else. Charles Spurgeon had a great example of this. He said, look at your own body. He goes, you've never seen your eyeball. He goes, you've seen a reflection of your eyeball in a mirror. He goes, but it is impossible for you to see your own personal eyeball. He goes, you've seen other people's, but not your own. He goes, you have faith that it's there. Yes, you can touch it, etc., but you have never seen it. And it's the same thing. You look up in the sky, you see the stars and the moon. You have faith that everything is just flowing and working the way it's supposed to. So all of a sudden, when we have faith in all these different things, you come to me with a problem, and I sit here and have the audacity to tell you, you know what, you just need to pray and trust and have faith that's going to work out. Oh, you don't get it. But yet you have faith in everything else. 
Verse 1, it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I have never seen God, but I know he's there. I don't see the future, but I have hope and faith that my kids will make sure they all grow up to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's what I'm praying for. I have faith that things work out even when they don't know how it's going to work out. That's what faith is. Why is it so important? Jump down to verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You really want to please the Lord? Then you need to do that in faith. In faith. And you need to believe that God exists and that he rewards those that seek him. We've talked about this word reward before. Don't automatically start thinking of dollar signs. That's not what God's talking about here in any way whatsoever. It's that spiritual reward of knowing him and going deeper in him. But you have to have faith in that, the importance of knowing what it means to please the Lord. Let's look at an example of this. Can you go with me to Matthew chapter 8, please? Matthew chapter 8. So what have we established here? This great chapter full of dozens of names of people, some of whom you may know, some of whom you may not know. We will look at them and study their walk of faith. Used 24 times in this chapter alone. And what is faith? Trusting in the unseen. Believing in a God you've never seen. Trusting that the Lord is moving and working behind the scenes even when you don't see it, know it, or realize it. Faith. And also then doing what it says in verse 6. Wanting to please him and diligently seeking him. So a great example of a man that did this. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him. Stop right there. A little bit of background. Centurion, Roman soldier, Roman leader, I should say. Over a hundred different soldiers. Now, think about this from a perspective. This man is obviously a Gentile. This man is not a God-seeking Jew, as far as we can tell. This man is the oppressive military force that is suppressing the Jews. The Jews are a conquered people at this time, and he represents the military presence to keep the Jews in order. What does he do in verse 6? Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, As surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Wouldn't you like to be able to impress Jesus? How do you impress Jesus? Faith. That's what impresses him. Don't think that you're going to impress the Lord by, look, God, I read two chapters today. I was only supposed to read one. Lord, I spent ten minutes in prayer. You owe me. That does not impress the Lord in any way whatsoever. No amount of how many long you fast for or how many people you share Christ with. What impresses God continually throughout the Gospels is faith. Trusting and believing that the Lord can do something without any evidence to back it up. Think about this man. What do you see here in this faith? You see verse 8, you see first off a humility. I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Do you realize how often as believers we approach God thinking he owes us something? Lord, you really need to move in my life. Lord, you really need to do this. Almost this behind the scenes, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but you're just taking way too long. No, Lord, I'm not even worthy to come to you, but it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I come to you humbly, trusting that you're going to move and work in my life. There's a humility. What else do we see with this man? In verse 9, he sees him simply say, I just need the word. I don't need all the details. 
I just need the word. The word is good enough. Now listen here tonight. God bless you. Thank you for coming out on a cold Wednesday evening. It's a busy, busy week. Thank you for coming out. And now let me pick on you for a second. If you are the person that needs to have all the details before you take a step, do you realize you and the Lord will never truly ever be on the same page? Because the way he likes to work is him just saying, trust me, trust me. And I know so many believers that will trust the Lord when the whole plan is laid out before them. If that is you, you're not walking in faith. And if you're not walking in faith, how are you and the Lord ever supposed to move forward together? Because you're not going to move unless God gives you the details. Listen, if that's your personality, you will always be the person then struggling in faith because you'll always want everything to be known, to be figured out. I tell you, the longer you walk with the Lord, the more I hope you realize there is a joy, and I know this sounds strange, there's a joy in not knowing everything because you can just step back and say, you know, the Lord's got it. I run into people that have big life decisions coming up and they need to make a big decision. Maybe it's only a week away, maybe it's a month away, maybe it's six months away, and they walk in fear, not faith. Fear of making the wrong decisions, fear of this, fear of that. How about you just step back, let your heavenly Father who loves you more than you can ever imagine, who will lead you and guide you down a path, and you just step back and say, Lord, I trust you're going to take care of it. Lead me and guide me through your word, through worship, through the Spirit. And just let him work out the details. That's what faith is. If that's something you struggle with, realize you're never going to have that true inner peace because you're always going to be wanting to take the reins from God and try to control your own life. This man right here, the centurion, said, I just need the word. I don't need to be there. I'm just going to humble myself and say, say the word. And then God moved in his life. And not only moved, look at verse 10. As surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. In verse 10, Jesus marveled at that. I want to impress the Lord. I want to pray. I see it with my boys. I see it with my boys when they do something and they just hope I'm watching. They hope I'm looking. They'll, dad, 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 can you watch this? Sure, I'll watch. Okay, no, don't do it. I'm going to do it again. Can you watch it? You know what I'm talking about. I want to be that little boy to Jesus. Jesus, did you see me? Did you see me? Oh, Lord, I loved you. Because that's what it is, the father-son relationship. And I want to be the centurion that just says, Lord, I trust you. Say the word and I'll walk in faith. Now, before we move on to some other stuff here, make any quick questions, comments. On the definition of faith, Hebrews 11 that we're getting into, and understanding what it means to try to please God with your faith, to trust him. Anybody before we move on? All right, now, let's talk a little bit more about this here to get a little bit more detail of what we're, we're dealing with. We struggle with this, don't we? We struggle with this idea of faith. I think it's very interesting. If you're a note-taker, write down Luke 17. The disciples struggled with this. And in Luke 17, the disciples come right out and say, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Because they needed to have help. If you sit there and you're struggling right now and you're saying, James, I hear what you're saying and I want to have faith. I want to have faith that you're going to take care of this. This physical health issue, maybe this relationship issue, this marriage issue, this financial issue. But Lord, I'm just, I can't. Then do what the disciples did. Go to Jesus and say, increase our faith, Lord. Help me to trust you more. And Jesus' response to that, he goes, have faith of a mustard seed. Remember that verse? Now, if you've never seen a mustard seed, they are small. I have a pack of mustard seeds at home, and I'm not trying to make a simple joke here. I can't find them. <laughs> but because they're really small. 
They're tiny little seeds. And the whole point is, what Jesus is trying to say, it's not how much faith you have, it's not how big your faith is, it's how sincere your faith is. That's what he's trying to say. Listen, if your faith is minute, and it's tiny, and it's small, but it's sincere, God says, that's all I need, I can work with that. I think the problem is we try to impress God with, look how much faith I have. And Jesus says, you know what? Just give me a little. Give me a little bit of total trusting faith, and I can move mountains with that, the Bible says. I can move mountains with that. And so if that's what's wrong in your life, your faith is smaller than a mustard seed, Lord, increase my faith. Because I do want to grow. I do want to go deeper in you, and I want to have this walk where I trust you. And there's just example after example here in Hebrews chapter 11 of these people that just did unbelievable things through faith. Now, before you sit here in the next few weeks as we go through these people and you stop and you say, yeah, but that's them. I'm going to tell you right now, some of these people we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, these guys are not super saints. They're not. As I mentioned earlier, they are people just like you and I that have sins and struggles And you're going to hopefully really realize, Lord, you will work with anybody. Remember, we talked about Sunday at church. We talked about how the Lord, who is he called? The foolish, the debased, not many honorable, not many noble are called. Because God wants to work with us. Now, i got a couple verses here I want to show with this. Dustin, can you go ahead and bring that first verse up? I wanted to make sure we have an understanding of what faith is before we move on to who some of these people are and understanding what faith does. Now, We've talked about what faith is, evidence of things unseen, the substance of things hoped for. We showed an example of a man who had faith that impressed the Lord. And we talked about how we need to have that same faith. Maybe it's minute, it may be small. Now, what do you have faith in? The first thing you have faith in is salvation. For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Think about that. When you got saved, and I hope you're all saved here tonight. And when you got saved, what happened? I remember when I got saved, little white house there by the bank in Hamler. Jim Crager was teaching. He did an altar call. 1993, everybody bow your heads, raise your hand if you want to accept Christ. I raised my hand. And guess what happened? Nothing. There was no angel singing. There was no bright lights. There was nothing. I remember that Sunday evening. I came home, and Jim called me up on the phone. And said, hey, you raised your hand. I want to tell you about what it means to be a born-again Christian in Jesus Christ. Now, you've got to remember, this is back in the early 90s. So we had the one phone. And it was the one phone with that cord that stretched like 200 miles. You know what I'm talking about? And my sister, my oldest sister, Janelle, was dating somebody. And she so badly wanted to talk to her boyfriend. And I'm on the phone with Jim, and he's explaining to me what it means to be a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. And I got my sister Janelle right here telling me to get off the phone. And I'm like, I know, I know, you know. That's my salvation story. (laughs) Something happened, though. And as time went on, the seed of salvation that was planted in me, all of a sudden things started to change. Changed on what I wanted to watch, what I wanted to listen to, what I spoke, hopefully how I acted, how I spent my free time, how my focus was. Now, did I see anything? No. But by faith, I believed. 
I believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and I believed that his sacrifice paid a debt I couldn't pay. I believed in the eternity of heaven. I believed in the eternity of hell. I believed it. Now, not that long ago, I had the opportunity to lead somebody to Christ, and it was back in my office. And she sat there, and, and you know, we prayed, and she accepted Christ. And, and, you know, and I remember telling her, I said, listen, right now it may not seem like something just happened. But I said, right now, angels in heaven are rejoicing. I said, something miraculous just has happened. And I said, the amazing thing about this, as your life goes on, you'll start to see the miraculous now happen in your life. So salvation is through faith. If you're here tonight and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I will guarantee you did not see him on the cross. You did not see the empty tomb. You did not see him ascend into heaven. You did not see any of that. Through faith, you believe that everything happened. That's salvation. That is what salvation is. So remember, faith trusts the unseen. Now that you understand what salvation is through faith, what do we do next? Next slide, please, Dustin. What's the next thing? It changes our way of life. It's always fun we can quote a verse out of the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by his faith. That verse is repeated three times in the New Testament. Three times. If you're a note taker, I'm going to give them to you here real quick, and you can kind of just look at them if you want. But that idea of faith and walking in it, you see it in Galatians 3. It's in Romans 1. It's in Hebrews 10. You've heard me say this many times out here before. If you ever see one verse in the Bible that's repeated, you better pay attention because they're willing to repeat it. If you see it repeated twice, you really better be paying attention. If there's a verse that the Lord has decided to repeat three times, he's trying to really tell you something. He wants your whole way of life to be living by faith. If you are here tonight and you have assurance of financial security because of some place where you work, then you're not walking in faith. If you are here tonight and you have peace of mind because you are at health at this moment, you're not walking in faith. That means you're placing your faith in a company that's going to supposedly pay you every two weeks. God supplies your need. Remember one of my favorite names of God is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord that provides. He's the one that provides. That's where your faith is. Your health. Faith. Because guess what happens? If your faith, excuse me, if your health goes downhill, isn't God still the same? Don't we still glory in tribulations? Everything we do is based on faith in the Lord. Right now, if your marriage is in good shape, amen. It's not because you have a great spouse. It's because hopefully you're planting seeds in your marriage. If you have good relationships, you know what I'm saying? It all comes back to the Lord and faith. It's not you. It's not where you work. It's not your health. It's not the lifestyle choices you make. It's the Lord. And that's where the just shall live by his faith. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. First slide we showed, most people I know, they will accept that. When I say most people, I mean believers. This one, oh, they'll say it, but they don't live it. I do not see a lot of Christians living by faith. I see a lot of Christians living pretty close to the way the world lives. They make decisions according to the wisdom of the world. They make the choices according to the wisdom of the world. I don't see them making choices in this whole walk of faith. Do you realize how crazy the walk of faith is? How cra- if you don't, stick with us through our study in Hebrews 11. How crazy is it that the Egyptian army is coming down upon the Israelites? And God's great plan is, hey Moses, part the Red Sea. And let's walk across on dry land. That's crazy. Or how about the Israelites? Every morning, get up and collect your manna in faith. Collect your quail in faith. That's 
faith. How about Gideon, who God says, I'm just going to keep cutting your army down until you get down to 300 people. That's faith. To really live by faith means that you are going to be so strange to the world. So strange. And guess what? The Bible calls us aliens, foreigners, sojourners. To walk in faith means, Lord, I trust you will use my employer to help meet my bills. I trust you will, Lord, hopefully give me the health you want me to have. I trust that you will, Lord, be the God of my foundations of my relationships. But ultimately, Lord, it's you that I serve, no one else. Because look at the next passage, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. You walk by faith, not by sight. Now, I know this is a really dumb point. If you're walking by sight, you're not walking by faith. So if you're the personality that you have to walk by sight, then you're not walking by faith. Lord, if you show me how it all will be, and Lord, you give me all the details how it will work out, I will take that step of faith. Then you're not taking a step of faith. It is trusting. Trusting that when you don't see it, and it doesn't make sense, and all the details aren't there, you are still willing to take that step and say, Lord, I serve you no matter what. Now, i got one more point here about this before we move on, but anybody got any quick questions, comments about the salvation one or the just living by faith? What that really means to stop and say, Lord, I really am going to live this life for you no matter what. Brian. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're in, hold on a second here. Galatians 3, Romans 1, and Hebrews 10. Yep. Galatians 3, Romans 1, Hebrews 10. I didn't write down the actual verses because I wanted you to have homework. There you go. Anybody else have anything here before we go on? All right. Next slide, Dustin. All right, this is where you guys don't like it now. So you want this faith, you have to invest. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God, Romans ten seventeen. This faith does just not come just one day you wake up and you have it. This faith comes by years of experience, of going through the pits, the trials. It just does. I don't know how else to say. It comes from being in God's word and seeing what he's done in other people. If you want to walk in faith, like it says in Habakkuk, if you want to walk by faith and not by sight, you've got to be prepared to go through some pretty tough times. Because the only way you learn faith is to go through a time where you can trust nothing else but the Lord, and then you start realizing, I trust him in everything. I don't know what else to say to that. So if you're looking for this easy path, it's not going to happen. Jesus himself said, the path is narrow. The path is difficult. And he says, and few will find it. I run into a lot of Christians that want the simple, easy gospel. And you run into a lot of churches that that's what they want to present. And I would love to present that, because if you just present that, everybody walks away just happy. That's not the way it works. The way it works is this. If you're sitting here tonight and you say, Lord, I really want to do this. I want to walk in faith. Then you have to be prepared in those times of difficulty and darkness when it doesn't make any sense any sense at all, Lord, I trust that you're moving and working <sighs> because that's what it comes down to. Now, if we would give testimony, some of you could give a testimony of this tonight, that the Lord took you through a dark time. And as the Lord took you through a dark time, guess what? Your faith grew. And as your faith grew, you started saying, Lord, I get it now. I get what it means to trust you and to see and just to know that you're moving and working. 
I mean, think about this. This is talked about in James 1. It's talked about in 1 Peter. If you want to become deeper in the Lord, you have to what? Go through various trials and tribulations to have your faith be tested. You have to. You absolutely have to. Everybody has their thing that, that bothers them and gets them worked up about. And I've heard a lot of testimonies. And the problem is with some of those testimonies, don't get me wrong, I love a good testimony, is the thing that may bother me does not bother you. So when I get up and say, let me share a testimony about what the Lord did in my life, and I tell you this story, and as I tell you the story, you're like, that doesn't really impact me because I wouldn't be scared or bothered by that. That's why it's very personal, and that's why it's a very independent type thing. There are things in my life that make me fearful that make me scared, they make me nervous. And if I know they're coming up and I know that date on the counter is coming up, I will walk in fear and worry until that event happens. And here's the problem, and this is what I dislike about myself. In the 20 years I've been doing ministry, he has been faithful every single time to help me through it, every time. And when it pops up again, where do I go? Back to fear, worry, and anxiety. And guess what? God is faithful to get me through it again. And as he gets me through it again, you know what I say? Oh, Lord, you're faithful. Lord, the next time this comes up, I'm not going to doubt you. I'm not. Guess what? It comes up again. Oh, Lord, what are we going to do? I'm just telling you right now, if you really want to be the person that walks by faith, you have to be willing to let absolutely everything go in your life. Everything go. All relationships, kids, finances, health, everything, where you stop and you say, God, you are sovereign. I am not. I trust that whatever comes into my life has gone through your hedge. I trust that whatever comes into my life will be for your glory. I will glory in that tribulation. And from this point forward in my life, I will walk in faith in my health, in my finances, in my relationship, in my spiritual walk. Everything is completely, utterly yours. And so therefore, when it comes my way, I will no longer walk in that fear, worry, or anxiety. That's what it means when it says the just shall live by faith. Now, if you want that, invest in it. Invest in it. I have all my accounts through Hamler State Bank. If I go to any other bank, if I'm in the middle of Toledo and I see a bank, Fifth Third, and I walk in there and I say, may I please take my money out of my account? Sure, what's your name? My name is James Irvin. What's your account number? I don't have an account. Now, other than looking like an idiot, I don't know what they would do. I'm trying to pull money out of a bank that I've never invested in. So here's the problem, people. Your life is going good. The job is good. The relationships are good. The health is good. All of a sudden, you reach a pothole in life, and now you need to walk in faith, and so you try to go pull out your faith investment. You haven't invested in faith. And so now all of a sudden, you're saying, Lord, I want to walk in faith, and God says, yeah, but you haven't built that relationship with me. So you know what the Lord does? In his infinite grace and mercy, he bails you out. And then you say, oh, Lord, I will never do this again. And for the next week, you're in the word. The next month you're at church and things grow a little bit. Then guess what? Things go good again. And things start to fall away and you don't invest in faith anymore. And so then a pothole of life hits and it's this rinse, repeat cycle. That's what the book of Judges is. Lord, save us. Raises up a judge. Saves them. Lord, thank you. We'll see you later. And then they do it all again and again and again. I'm telling you here right now, forget about whatever New Year's resolutions you have planning on coming up on Sunday. None of them matter. What matters right here, right now, is that you decide, I want to walk in faith, and I'm going to invest in it. And I'm going to invest in it by what? Lord, number one, I'm going to be in your word. I'm going to be in your word. 
Now, at this time, usually somebody stops and says, this is the problem, the Bible's boring, whatever, blah, 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 etc. I used to try to be really calm and nice about that. I've reached a point now, it's like, no, man, you're completely, utterly wrong. The Bible's alive and active, it's amazing, and when you know how to read it and study it, it is just a powerful, powerful book. And when I say when you know how, I don't mean that in some type of egotistical way. I'm willing to bet if you look at the Bible and you're finding it boring or whatever, I don't think you're reading it right. And if you don't know, talk to me. I would love to sit down and show you what it means to be in the Word, to grow in faith. Because when you're in faith, then all of a sudden when things in life happen, the Holy Spirit's bringing scriptures to your memory. All of a sudden you're looking at these people that went through difficult times. It's like, Lord, you got them through it. You need to invest in your faith. You need to accept the potholes of life are going to make you stronger in the Lord. You need to stop and realize, I will not put my faith in my intellect. I will not put my faith in my health. I will not put my faith in my charm to get me out of good situations. I'm going to put my faith completely, utterly in you, Lord. You are sovereign, and I will walk this earth in you, trusting you. And then whatever happens, I will still have a smile on my face because the joy of the Lord is my strength. But to really do that, that's crazy, people. Are you willing to do that? Because as we go through Hebrews chapter 11, you're going to see people that were willing to do that. And as they were willing to do it, they stopped and said, okay, Lord, this is what we will do. And that's what we're here tonight to set the tone with. Now, does anybody have any quick questions, comments about any of this here before we close up? Can you go with me real quick to James 1? At this point, you may be thinking, okay, James, I hear it. I agree with it. But there's been times I've cried out to the Lord, and I feel like I've been let down. Can you look here at James 1, verse 2? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your what? Faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Perfect does not mean sinless or flawless. Perfect means complete. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and will be given to him. But let him ask in what? Faith. With no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Please note one more time. Verse 3, the testing of your faith produces patience. You really want to grow. You really want to go deeper. That word patience means endurance. I want to endure. You have to be prepared to have your faith tested. Number two, if you're seeking God's will in your life, verse 6, ask in faith. If you think you're going to figure it out on your own by some pros and cons list and analyzing the stuff, you're completely off base. And what happens is you're going to be, verse 6, the wave tossed to and fro. Because it doesn't matter what you think. Do you ever realize the Lord may call you to do something that you don't want to do? If you weren't with us Sunday, isn't that what happened with Joseph? He had a mind to put Mary away secretly. Faith is saying, Lord, I will trust you even when it doesn't add up. I will trust you even when I don't like it. Lord, I will trust you even when I don't see it. And my personal preferences go out the window. Because I'm going to go back to that verse in Habakkuk, and I'm going to walk by faith. You will lead and guide my future in all things. Now, if you want to try to do it on your own, you can. And some of you will taste a little bit of success. But you won't have God's perfect plan for your life. 
God's best is always walking in faith and trusting him. And that's what we're going to see here through the rest of Hebrews 11. Are men and women that walked in faith. And what can we learn from that? So, any final questions, comments about anything here before we close up? Brian. Yeah. Very good question. How do I know if I'm praying about something, if it's the right way, if it's the wrong way? This is just off the top of my head. A couple things. Number one, whatever God leads you to do will never contradict his will. Excuse me, contradict his word. Never contradict his word. So if somebody comes up to me and says, the Lord led me to do this and it goes against the Bible, then no, it's not. So the first thing you have to say is, this thing that he's asking me to do or I feel led to do going to contradict his word? Nope. Okay, then I move to step number two. Does it glorify the Lord? Is it something that's going to bring glory to the Lord? Is it something where it's going to maybe further my walk with the Lord? Is it something where I'm going to be a better light and a witness to the kingdom? Something to really look at then. And this is the hard one. Is there a peace? The Bible makes that clear. Is there a peace that surpasses all understanding that the Lord has placed in your heart where you can stop here and say to friends, family, and relatives, you know what, I realize this doesn't make sense to you, but I'm going to Zimbabwe. Because that's where the Lord called me. Or, you know what, I know this doesn't make sense to you, but I'm leaving this amazing job according to the world because the Lord has called me to go to this job or the Lord has called me to do this. So I believe it's those three things that would not contradict his word. There will be something that glorifies the Lord and the actions of it. And number three, there ultimately there's a peace that comes out of it. Now, it may not make sense, but if you look throughout the Bible, people that are seeking the Lord, those three things seem to happen continually. Anybody else have anything here before we close up? All right, this is what I want to do. We quit on Wednesdays a little early. If, if you want this and you want prayer for this, I want you to come on up. We can pray. If you've got to get going, go ahead and get going. But what it comes down to is this. The reason we spent so much time on this one introductory lesson here tonight is because this means everything when it comes to the rest of the people. You have to decide, do you want to live by faith? You have to decide that this is how I choose to live my life from this point forward. Just totally trusting the Lord in all ways and all things. Realizing that he will move and work in ways I do not see and understand. And I have now completely surrendered my life to him as a living sacrifice. Because I've tried it on my own. And this is not where I'm supposed to be. If you want to walk in that faith then I encourage you to start moving deeper in that. And if it comes into getting into the Word, and you're like, James, I want to get in the Word, but I don't know what that looks like, get a hold of me sometime this week. Call me, text me, email me. i got stuff I'd love to get in your hands on what it means to be a man or a woman that's in the Word of God and growing in their walk and growing in their faith. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Fathers, we just come to you now. Help us to be a body of believers corporately and individually that are walking in faith. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and what you've done. We want to live this, Lord. We don't just want to speak it. We want to live it. And all we say and all that we do, we thank you and we praise you. And I pray, Lord, that you would use us. And, Lord, use us mightily. Use us crazily. We just want to be for you and all that we say and all that we do. We lift this up in your name. Amen. Hey, I'll stick for a round up here for a while. If you've got something you want to pray about, come on up. Let's pray. You guys have a good week. God bless. Happy New Year. Hopefully see you Sunday.